0: New Year, New Me. That's what we say. This time of year, coming towards the middle of January, we're in that New Year's resolutions buzz when we pretty much deny ourselves of the pleasures that we (laughs) indulged in over Christmas. And it can be really difficult to know what we should do because... Everyone out there has an opinion and therefore it's difficult to know what is going to work for you and what's going to make you feel good. Well, today I have with me Dr. Kira Kelly, otherwise known as the Irish Balance. That's her podcast. She's also a medical doctor. She is a blogger and we talk about loads of stuff, everything from e-cigarettes to vaccines, to sleep. This is one of my favourite podcasts I've done because it combined having a bit of a laugh with good quality information and practical information that you can actually use. So I hope you find loads of value from it. And if you do, you can leave it a view on iTunes. You can share it with a friend. Um, yeah, that would be fantastic. If you're thinking about how to look after yourself in the new year. Heed the advice that Kira gives, but also be gentle with yourself. I I would say um, don't punish yourself. You know, Take it easy, especially if you're living in an island. It's dark out a lot, a lot this time of year. It's a bit cold and a little bit miserable. Go easy. Um, if you need something to look forward to and just coming up to springtime, come to my retreat with Rachel. It's going to be hot tubs, saunas over a weekend in Ardnahu and Leitrim. If you'd like information just contact me and I'll give you the full lowdown. So without further ado, here is Kira. Hey Kira.
1: Hello Kevin, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm gonna slide this
0: towards you. Lovely. There you go. Thanks for coming.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs> the most impressive podcast setup that I've ever been on, I'd say. Thank you very <laughs> Definitely, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> very you're, very high tech. <laughs> yeah,
0: because you're a podcaster too. You've seen the behind the scenes. It's yeah,
1: it's it's, it's a, a learning curve. Yeah, it's probably the best way I could put it.
0: As you said, it's trial and error. Yeah, a- and I think that what I found is that sometimes you'll hit a roadblock and mm. you'll think, oh, do you know, this is this is
1: why do I bother? Yeah, yeah.
0: But then w- once then you find that your workflow gets a bit slicker. Mm. And um, have you, do you actually, do you outsource anything?
1: No, like I, so it was my New Year's resolution last year to start a podcast and I was being really perfectionist about it, being like, I have to have an amazing graphic. I've got to have like 10 episodes ready to go. Um, And then I came to about a, I think it was New Year's Eve, and I thought, well, this can't be that hard. There's loads and loads of people doing podcasts out there, and it'd be really nice to give people my content in audio format. So I had a little Google, spent about two hours trying to figure it out, and I downloaded Podbean and mm. just started recording on my phone and did a few um, topic episodes and said I'd just release them. So I released my first one on New Year's Eve last year. Mm. And then, like you say, you kind of, it's trial and error, and you learn over time, and I got graphics sorted over time. I haven't figured out a music intro yet. But some people happen, some people don't. So I haven't really kind of spent a lot of time on that yet. But you learn as you go, definitely. Uh, yeah. But just starting was like the biggest challenge for me.
0: That That's interesting, though, that you say that about mm. the music thing, because this this equipment I have here, I mean, th- this 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 thing itself, mm. this is a RODECaster Pro, and this is like the latest thing in podcasting. Really? And, I, and right. I thought to myself, this is a basically a podcasting studio in in one mm. unit. I don't know if you've seen it in the camera. You can see it in the camera there. All it's all the very but- impressive. All the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> like for example, this is completely unnecessary, but watch this. Oh no, hold on. I'll i just turn it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so and then it that's can do amazing. like
1: <laughs> Oh it's <my, stop. laughs> so that's, so. Um,
0: that's your intro right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it does like you have like a laughter track as well. And it does yeah. all this stuff, and I and so I can have like music and snippets yeah. and And it does all this stuff, which is great. Yeah. But Sometimes, just because you can do something mm. doesn't mean you should, mean yeah. you should do it. So, I listened to this podcast called the Jocko Willink podcast. I think it's called Jocko The Jocko. He's a Navy SEAL. Okay. And his podcast starts like this. Good evening. And then he just has a quote from, Hi. say, Musashi or Buddha. Mm. Gives the quote. Mm. And the quote is essentially the outline of what the podcast is going to be about. Okay. And, it, yes. so you're, and this is the tempo he speaks at. Welcome pause and and you're hooked in because yeah, yeah. you're so used to people being like hey welcome to the show yeah. and the music <laughs> flies in and you know today we have uh you know and, and we're so used to that way of being overwhelmed with information yeah, yeah. that he changes the pace and you're like what's he going to say next mm. no music no uh, no sponsors yeah. at the end what he'll do is he'll just say um this is he does his own he sells his own stuff so he goes mm. i have branded t-shirts mugs mm. go to my website and you know so that's how he funds his podcast but it's so so authentic and in fact it's actually it's such a slow pace that it's kind of hard to consume initially. Yeah. You're like, come on. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but but that's that's what made
1: hooks you in though, it sounds like us. It. it does, yeah. yeah.
0: And the conversations he has are like so powerful and he doesn't bother with all of this music. So mm-hmm. so maybe
1: it depends it depends what you're trying to bring to people i think sometimes some of the jingles on the podcast i listen to i actually really like the little tune and i've often been like to the person where did you find that you know because i just think it's a nice piece of Mm. music but there's others that integrate it so malcolm gladwell has one called revisionist history and it's i haven't listened to many episodes but he intersperses music throughout the podcast Mm. and in his most recent book talking to strangers i listened to it on audible and he puts music in throughout it and inserts like real life quotes from people, and listening to it that way is really interesting. because it's almost like an audio movie if that makes mm. sense. So it's not so much about the intro song, but he intersperses music mm-hmm. in between like big segments of you know like let's say talking about a particular topic and then a bit of music lighthearted and then back into it. Mm. So a it's bit fun. like
0: a bit like serial. The, um, the yeah, the which serial I haven't
1: listened to, but I've heard. Biggest lot
0: like about. the serial is uh, the podcast serial is like as you said like a movie on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, and. But what we, what you we have to realize when you're a content producer like you you are, is if you want to do it every week yeah. and you don't have loads of money to or outsource time. everything or time, mm. then it's just unrealistic. Yeah. I would rather have a podcast. It's like I said to myself at the start of this podcast, no matter what, mm. no matter what, every Thursday morning, this podcast is going to go out hell or high water. And yeah. now i only missed that once in 70 or 80 podcasts i've missed wow. that once i had delayed it a day because I was on my uh 300 hour teacher training yeah but i've realized that if i say and i never edit anything nothing gets edited out at all um and and i have had pe- like family members say to me kev why did you say that on the podcast <laughs> yeah. it's embarrassing you shouldn't <laughs> say that you know but i i think like this is the why. This is the reason I think podcasting is is so powerful. And again, it depends what you're going for. Mm. But what I'm going for is just what's the most authentic way to communicate to as many people as possible, yeah. and um, and be be represented properly. So you know, with social media, you have to be careful about what you how you put things across because things get mis- misunderstood mm-hmm. in text. Yeah. But with this this conversation where we we can have we can. Think of an idea, have an idea, yeah. talk about it, look at different angles. I can get your opinion, and, and yeah, yeah, and that's I think the healthiest way to, um, to explore ideas. And yeah, to, and to it think. is
1: definitely like one of the most interesting podcasts I listen to, and some of your listeners might have heard of it as How to Fail by elizabeth day and it's fantastic the premise of the podcast it's really good the premise of the podcast basically is that she brings on guests who are generally well-known figures but not like typical like celebrities you know it might be authors or journalists or things like that and they talk about four or five failures in their life and how they learned from them and how it made them either a better person or it brought them Mm. success later on so it's, it's a completely a podcast about failure but she's also been very open about her own failures and it really strikes me listening to it like someone's Hearing someone that you think has all their shiz together, for want of a better word, and you hear how they might have think y- they might think that they've messed up throughout their life, and you go, "Yeah, I have all those insecurities too, and I've all those vulnerabilities as well." And you realize quite quickly that we're all just pretty much the same. Like mm-hmm. we're not the same, but we all go through those um kind of similar feelings and emotions. Like you and I were saying about imposter syndrome before we came mm-hmm. on, and like you'd be shocked how many people have that. I would say most people have that, particularly people in higher profile positions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I love about podcasts. You get to understand h- the human condition a little bit better mm-hmm. depending on the podcast you're listening to obviously mm-hmm. but the honesty in that one is particularly good i think it's yeah. really really nice to listen to
0: how to fail elizabeth day did elizabeth you say day, yeah. yeah she
1: has a book as well which is one of my favorite things that i read this year it's really good Day. Day. yeah okay. it's just a really interesting way to sort of you know the way people get interviewed all the time on podcasts and it's often about your journey to the top for want of a better word i don't mean Mm. that in reference to myself just Mm. other you know celebrities and things but there's so many struggles along the way you know Mm. for every success it's probably 20 failures and we don't hear about those so i think it was a really interesting idea to put together it's really good Mm. really really
0: good yeah i say i'm going to put stuff in the show notes but i never do so if if you're listening to this write down (laughs) down, at the pen and paper elizabeth day um, how to fail (laughs) um yeah, I just realised one thing. I'm going to pause. We don't again. This is not edited, so just stall it for one second. I'll turn the heater off because it's making a noise.
1: Do you feel the cold? I'm a cold blooded um, creature. Well, f- funny you say that
0: because I actually, boom, I that bath mm. is cold. I have a cold bath every day. Do you? Yes. Oh, um, now it's only no. th- what I do is oh. um, I have a three minute cold bath, and I have a. A little video clip that I listen to while I'm in the cold mm. bath. And I, I don't get out until that video clip is done. So it's only three minutes. Okay. But it's... it's That's a long three minutes. So yeah. Um, very long three minutes. How are you with the, the hot and the cold?
1: Um, I'm cold-blooded creature. Warm heart, cold blood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I really feel the cold, yeah. I, uh, I get chill in the cold as well. So, like, they get...
0: What, what are chill planes?
1: They're, like, it's to do with your blood vessel regulation, But essentially when i'm in the cold my blood vessels constrict to conserve the heat but it's when the heat's trying to get let back let back in let's say when you warm up again that some of that fluid gets trapped and leaks out so you get these kind of it's not a very scientific explanation apologies from a doctor myself but you get these <laughs> kind of swellings basically and the fluid just doesn't uh, it kind of leaks out into the surrounding tissue and how does it how, does it, how
0: does it feel is it um, like stinging,
1: painful, itchy, mostly itchy, and just kind of not nice to look at. Um, I got them last year, and I th- they've kind of come back a bit this year. So I'm a Nazi about my gloves; like I have to have my gloves on. <laughs> I have to have my gloves on. Uh, so yeah, they're not they're not great, but yes, I have to be really really mindful of what I'm wearing when I'm going out in the cold. Just my hands, not my toes. But I actually shared a post about it on my Instagram. If anyone listening has experienced them before and once some ideas about how to manage them because when I posted about it, people were like, oh my God, I have those two and I didn't know what they were mm. or I had no idea how to manage them. And even just having a simple chat with your GP could be a really great way to just get some tips and not suffer in silence, you know, because mm. they're, they're a small thing but like they're really intensely itchy sometimes. Because
0: um, I've had them in my toe, in my tip, toe yeah, tips. Can you say toe honest. tips? You can say Fingertips, why not say toe Finger tips? Fingertips, <laughs> toe tips, yeah, I
1: mean, I won't correct you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when you, because when you get something like that, you start Googling and then you start mm. getting scared. You're like, oh, I've yeah. got gangrene or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, um, I've definitely had them in my toes. Um, and, and actually, the heat and the cold, um, my girlfriend Rachel w- w- was writing about this lately about the benefits of cold therapy for mm. panic attacks. Okay. So And it sounds like counterintuitive. Right? Mm. You know, if you want to relax, you get into a hot bath. But now we started doing cold baths, and I feel so much calmer just gen- i don't ex- experience panic attacks but i yeah. feel way calmer um is there any is any have you explored that um whether it's like heat treatment or cold treatment have you explored anything like that before i
1: haven't i'll be honest no it's no. not something i've had I've heard a lot about it about people doing you know cold water therapy or doing a cold shower in the morning um, but I haven't really looked into it myself so I'll be mm. honest like I don't I, one thing that I'm really strict about on my Instagram is like if there's something I have either not had time to read into or just haven't I haven't had time yet you know so many health topics now and so many health trends and to be like able to debunk every single one would probably be a full time job to be honest yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm very careful about what like I won't go on and do a post about something unless I've had the time to go back into something and, Mm -hmm. you know, take a dive into what the research says, Um, I think. And I think that's really important. Like, there's so many healthcare Mm -hmm. professionals online now and many of whom I follow and I think share amazing content and I learn from them too. But as one, you have to be... I just think you have to be so careful. And the more you know, like, any healthcare professional listening will know this, like, the more you know, the more you don't know. The more you start to read into something, the more you're like, oh, wow, okay, so it's not just this, like, niche area, like, there's interconnections to many other aspects of health. Like, you know, health isn't a one-size-fits-all and often reading into one thing leads you down another rabbit hole, you know, so you can really, uh, I think you have to be really careful in terms of what you're sharing mm. and be responsible about that. Because there's a lot of irresponsible information that yeah. is shared out there and it's hard. Like you say, Googling. Like Not Googling your <laughs> symptoms is something that we're all told to do and yet it's the most tempting thing to do because like, your empty Google search engine box is a minefield of information. Mm-hmm. You know, you could get the answer to anything at any time now, which mm. is kind of a scary age to be in really. Mm-hmm. Because how do you discern, if you're not, let's say, from a scientific background, how do you discern what's fact or fiction? Mm. Just based on a Google search. It's tricky.
0: What what I really like is um, the, the, so the Game Changers, I won't talk about this in detail, but the Game Changers movie was out recently. This is a a movie about health benefits of a plant-based diet. And then Joe Rogan, who's like my, Mm. my hero... Um, and he's he's the hero for for a lot of men, <laughs> to be honest, because um, he's he well one well maybe a lot of people, but he's um, anyway Joe Rogan who's like my hero. Has this podcast, and he brings on the guy who made the game changers, and this guy called Chris Cresser, I believe his name is, who's like um, uh, who believes that you need meat essentially in your diet, mm. and had them debate. And I okay. thought it was, this this was so great because you're having looking at two people who are experts in the area doing a live debate. And you don't get a chance to see that that often, really.
1: You don't. No, I haven't. I don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I've listened to one episode with Matthew Walker about sleep. Oh, yeah. Because I think Matthew Walker is, is great. I think his book was fantastic. I also haven't watched Game Changers documentary. Mm. Um, I don't plan to. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: Being honest. <laughs> but I've heard a lot about it. it was it, Actually, I was in Prague the week that my social media feed exploded with posts about it. Um and I think my, my take home on it is Netflix is not a source of credible information about uh-huh. health, about nutrition. It, it is a movie and a show streaming service. So it's not a degree. It's not necessarily evidence-based. There might be evidence that informs the making of whether it's about nutrition, whether it's about there's loads and loads of documentaries. Netflix um and it's not that some of the messages in it aren't valid about the importance of let's say having lots of fruit and veg in your diet and plant-based foods that is really important but I think when someone watches a documentary and then assumes himself to be an expert or shares loads about it or I watch this and therefore this is what you should do that's really dangerous mm-hmm. you know I think that's that's a really, really important thing for people to remember. Like a friend of mine is a dietitian and she shares some really great stuff um, on Instagram. But like she put up recently this post, like a list of people who aren't diet experts, one of whom was Netflix, but one of whom was also doctors. Like I'm a doctor. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. Like I'm very careful about what kind of, I suppose, nutrition related information I share. And there's dietitians I follow who I learn from all the time. And I would look to them to see like, what were your thoughts on that documentary? You know, what did you think about the evidence that was presented? Whether it's, you know, game changers or others, there have been plenty, like what the health or, or that kind of thing, because the danger is that someone watches a documentary and assumes an expert opinion based on that or that that's the only way, uh, you know, the only way forward, the only way to think. I think mm-hmm. it's it's great to get people debating that kind of topic. It is really important, um, but you have to be very careful, like in terms of what you take from one documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the danger with, as I said, so much health and nutrition information online is from someone who's not from a scientific background, which, which to be honest, is the majority of the population. You know, there's a very small number that go into, let's say, science um, or even nutrition. Beyond that, how do they know what's factor fiction? Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I think about a lot. Mm. Um, and that's not me bashing Joe Rogan's podcast <laughs> or anything like that. Oh, no, no. It's just, yeah, um, I think it's a, it's a point to make that people need to be careful about mm-hmm. documentaries and things like that, To you know, what, what they take from it. Beyond mm. it being just a documentary, mm. you know.
0: But people get very uh, protective about their diet by the way what is is the difference between a dietitian and nutritionist
1: oh it's so like
0: (laughs) in layman's terms yeah
1: i'm sure i need to word this very carefully otherwise uh, i have lots of dietitian (laughs) friends be very angry but basically they're they're different qualifications you know like a a dietitian uh is a protected title um you know there's uh there's college degrees to support both i guess but they're different titles from As far as I know, anyway, dietitian can, let's say, work in the community setting, but they can also, you know, work in the hospital setting. I would have worked very closely with dietitians during my hospital training. Um, From a nutrition perspective, there are people who are, let's say, registered nutritionists. There's Mm. nutritional therapists. I'm probably not the best person to discern between the two, Mm. but there are, um, like, let's say, if people had a look at maybe the British Dietetic Association website is really useful. They, um, they I'm sure they have a webpage that, mm-hmm. you know, differentiate between the two. Um, and then I think the there's definitely associations for registered nutritionists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the UK people I follow have done posts kind of breaking down what the difference is between the two. Mm-hmm. It's it's true. It, they're definitely, like, there is definitely differences. Um, mm-hmm. But there's plenty online that, I suppose, are, are both sharing nutrition mm-hmm. information. And I suppose it depends as well, like your degree is relevant to the information you share, but I suppose what you're doing with that degree is important as well. Like I could be a doctor, but I could be sharing ridiculous false information, you yeah, know, yeah. thankfully I'm not, yeah. but like, you know, th- it's just because someone has a title, it's also down to what kind of content they're sharing and where that evidence is coming from too. Mm. What, what do you,
0: what do you think of like the, because um sometimes we take for granted the knowledge we have in our head. So what I'm getting at is, when I was growing up, my mum would say, stop eating that shit. Like, you know, mm. you're eating crap, basically. And I'd be like, oh, mum, I want another hamburger, whatever. And she knew, because she comes from a farm, mm. that to eat what grows out of the ground. Eat mm. what you make yourself. And she knew that already. So although I didn't ad, uh, take that advice when I was younger, that does implant in your head, no pun intended, and you eventually start to realise, oh, this is real food, this isn't real food, as as it mm. were, in terms of um Nutrition, what do you think are like the um, or do you see to be maybe misunderstandings about like what a healthy diet is?
1: I think something that contributes to misunderstanding because as you like, there is so much, I suppose, what's so yeah, misunderstanding about what constitutes a healthy diet. Like, I was at an event a few months ago and someone put up their hand and said like if I have no dietary intolerances you know I'm very healthy and well um you know no issues with any food at all like no symptoms when I eat particular things what do I eat and I sat there and thought how has it gotten to a point in the 21st century where we have people who who don't know that you know and not that like I mean I think that speaks to how it's how information is being communicated by us as, as health um, professionals as well, you know. Um, and I think I've forgotten what your question was. Basically it yeah, was ha- how
0: misunderstandings about diet Yeah, I think
1: something's contributed so much is social media. Um mm-hmm. there were always dietary fads and trends like prior to the advent of what they call Web 2.0, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook mm-hmm. and things like that. But it was through magazines, let's say. So like I remember buying magazines as a teenager and you'd see like whichever celebrity, God knows, let's say the Spice Girls, or I don't know, it probably wasn't the Spice Girls, but like what I eat in a day or like this is what this celebrity does, you know, all the kind of fad diets of, let's say the 1990s when I was growing up with the early 2000s. But now we've got social media where someone could go online and say, I tried this, it worked for me. Mm. This is maybe something you should try. As well, and mm. that might not be backed by evidence. It might not be safe for that person to try. You know, they might have health conditions, or they might have, I suppose, a suboptimal relationship with food, and they maybe shouldn't try ex- excluding things. And I think the narrative for so long has been, you know, this is what we should cut out. Don't eat that. That's bad food. It's bad for you. Um, and there's a moral, I suppose, implication inherent in that. You know, eat that bad food. You are what you eat. Being a classic example you know if you if you eat a chocolate bar you're not chocolate you're a human being you know (laughs) like at the end of the day um so i think there's a lot of things that have contributed to that misunderstanding and social media definitely hasn't helped like we know like regardless of what for, for the majority of them regardless of what dietary fad has permeated um social media over the last let's say five years things that people generally agree on are that we should eat lots of fruits and vegetables Mm. and like our national dietary guidelines in Ireland would say aim for five to seven a day minimum, even up to 10 a day, you know? So even starting with five a day, like that's if someone was going from, let's say one or two a day to five a day, like that's massive. You know, that's a huge, huge, huge benefit. And we know about 37% of the Irish population make that five a day, which is something that could be vastly improved on. That's just over a third of people, you know, it's, it's not a huge amount. Mm. Um, The other thing we all tend to agree on is that fibre is really, really good for us. You know, fibre, so Mm -hmm. things we find in um, plant foods like chickpeas or lentils or... Beans, or whatever kind of beans you're eating, Um, fruits and vegetables, um, wholemeal foods, so like, you know, your brown breads or your oats or other whole grains like quinoa, um, brown rice, that kind of thing. Mm. We know fibre is really important. It's really good for our digestion, for our gut health, which is obviously a really popular topic at the moment. It's also really good for, as far as we know, our cardiometabolic health too. So we all kind of agree fibre is really good. Um... And then other things people agree on are that, like, let's say it's the type of the fat that we eat that matters. So eating more unsaturated fats, things that we might get from like olive oil or avocados or nuts or seeds. Um, if we do eat meat, and I know that's another separate issue and there's ethical, moral and environmental considerations about that, You know, eating meat in moderation is, um, has lots of benefits nutritionally. And this is, as I say, in the context of health, not in the context of moral and ethical standpoint or the environment, Um, you know, choosing lean cuts of meat or eating fish, oily fish um, to get omega threes in. So there's lots of things that, like, I suppose all of these different dietary fads and trends agree on, and they align with what our national dietary guidelines would say. Um, And I think the reason for the misunderstanding probably is just that there's been so many fads and trends and people Mm. get so confused, you know, and all the myths that I suppose permeate as well, which I, I don't think Netflix helps dispel.
0: Mm. um so yeah that's a th- very long-winded that, answer but hopefully that, that makes sense <laughs> perfect that was so good um well i think that content producers realize right i haven't written anything or talked about anything for a while i need to think of a subject to talk about mm. and the next fad is and then it does this kind of half make up a fad mm. um so that it can maybe get some attention as well so that and and as you said anyone can do that now because anyone can broadcast
1: anyone can do it
0: yeah we can do that i mean i and also as well we don't know as you said the background of that person Mm. as in not just um academically or professionally but also what are they like how is their health really they may look a certain way Mm. but how how's everything working underneath for example when i was young very insecure about how skinny I was, and I haven't actually changed much shape since I've been like <laughs> nineteen. But uh but my mind has changed, you know. Yeah. But when I was young, I remember I'd go into the gym and be like, um, I remember one cl- case very very clearly. I was in the change room and I was about to go out in my football shirt and my football shorts, whatever my trainers on, mm. and I walked into the the the, the gym and I w- walked back out again. It was raw gym up in um near Camden Street. Yeah because i looked at my arms i was like my arms are so skinny Mm. i'm too self-conscious to actually be in the gym Mm. and be like and actually funnily enough the guy next to me in the gym getting changed was tony something he's like he was former mr universe so (laughs) i'm like look at me and look at him and to me i'm like i'm not really a man he that's a man Mm. because i so used to seeing like he-man when i was younger yeah yeah. and and so therefore i was like how do i how do i look like these Mm people I want to look like these men and I'd be doing loads of research and this is when you know the internet was around but social media wasn't but I was researching and they say you gotta eat eight meals a day and look after your macros and this grams of protein yeah. per body weight and I was like right I'll do that and I was constantly eating eating and I was mm. like trying to lift heavy weights body wasn't changing mm. um and what I didn't realize was these guys want steroids yeah <laughs> you don't get that you don't look that way by uh, by eating eight meals a day, yeah. and what I remember one guy, there's a guy called Jay Cutler, and he would say, "What I do is I set my alarm for three a.m." I wake up, I make a protein shake, have the protein shake go back to bed just so I can get my calories in oh for those 24 God. hours. I thought yeah. that was true. So yeah. I I I can't remember if I actually did that, but I was close, <laughs> I was really close to it. And, yeah. then, and then I thought, Do you know what? Should I just take steroids? Um, and uh, I, I didn't because I'm just not that kind of person. Mm. But that's what I mean. The, yeah. These people, they look a certain way on the outside. Mm. What's happening on the inside? What's their... What's their stool like?
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) This is is the one. This is such a a topic people don't want to talk about. Is Mm. like you can tell a lot by your stool. You can. Have I gone too far? No, no, no,
1: no. Poo talk's fine. <laughs>
0: poo talk yeah, yeah. So you still. Losing. I have to be
1: cool with a lot of things as a doctor, so poo talk ends up being, yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Order the day. <laughs> so,
0: so, um, and there's a thing called the Bristol. Since we're on the topic. Bristol stool chart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. And it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do we get here? it goes. <laughs> uh,
0: and uh, like, it was one is water and seven is um seven's like like, sheep.
1: Seven's like diarrhea. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. So let's so say seven's diarrhea. Yeah. One would be like a, a sheep's droppings, you know, like little pebbles yeah. that are hard to pass. Yeah. You want to be, a bat in wanna be about in the middle. You want to so. be about in the middle. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> right in the middle, you can steel the <laughs> Um
0: And um, th- that's, so I mean, I have no qualifications to talk about this, but my advice would be just from personal and mm. total advice would be what's coming out have a look at your stool don't yeah. just flush it away and that will tell you a lot about your health is that am i off Vera?
1: no it's similar to what we say about the <laughs> urine you know your urine we talk about dehydration let's say for example like your urine's a really good indicator of how your hydration status is so we all get obsessed about like getting two liters of water a day in and people buy water bottles that like tell them how much they've had or like drink up and you're like well maybe if you know you went to the bathroom and you saw was your urine kind of a straw color and if it is it kind of should be kind of straw clear color you know light very light color if it's really dark and concentrated and a bit smelly you're probably dehydrated you know mm. and it's really you know it's just i know people I don't really like turn around and look at what's in the toilet bowl how did we get here but you're right though you know trusting your own body to tell you what's going on in that sense is is really, really helpful and yeah it is it is to a sense to an extent true for your stool as well you i have know? i have you know?
0: never never monitored my uh, urine Uh, As in, I don't mean like test it, but I like never looked at it and gone, oh, that color or that frequency or never done that. And I I actually, I don't drink much water. I went for a phase when I was about 19, I had severe acne. It was like, Mm. I I wouldn't even go out because I was so paranoid about my acne. And one thing I read is like drink loads of water. So Mm. oh yeah, great, didn't work. But I drank, I'd I'd go to college and I'd have like these bottles of Evian just drinking and drinking them. And um, my acne was still really, really bad. And then I... Then I now I don't know how to drink water at all, and I, I remember thinking, I don't know, I don't think I've ever seen my dad drink a glass of water. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's from the countryside. He's a Mayo. He would drink like ten cups of tea in a day, but never seen him drink a glass yeah, of water. Yeah, yeah. So. How much water do we? I need mean, or what? it
1: it depends. It de- yeah, as check. with anything. I mean, <laughs> people get so annoyed because I'm like, just give me that one answer. I'm like, no, because you see, it does depend. Like, it depends what age you are. It depends what gender you are. It depends what activity level you are. You're at. Let's say, like, if you're going to run a marathon and you let's say one day and not the next, your hydration is going to be vastly different. Like, mm. there is a nice, uh, from what I can remember, on the HSE web page about hydration, there's a nice um, little breakdown of how much let's say roughly in liters. But like if everyone kind of aimed for about two liters a day, which mm. is kind of eight glasses of water and um, mm. like eight kind of you know tall glasses of water. Um, that's probably where we're supposed to. Like I think a lot of people now are using reusable water bottles, which is brilliant for the environment. But also oh, yeah. if you know that, like, let's say it's about 500 to 600 mils, then, you know, you should probably get through about four of them a day. Mm. But if you're going to go to the gym and run the treadmill for half an hour or go for a run, you know, you're going to expend um, liquid through sweat you know so you have to make that back up as well you know so maybe adding in an extra 300 500 mils like again i'm not um Mm. a hydration expert but you know i suppose being uh having that rough benchmark of about two liters a day Mm. um but it's hard i mean like for example um like my nan is very elderly and Trying to get her to drink two lose of water a day, you know, it's, it's not going to work. No. So if I can, if, you know, if we can get her to have, uh, you know, a few glasses in the day and she has tea as well, then that's great. But like she's very elderly and it, her, I suppose, her hydration status is really important, but also she... Hydration status. It is really important. Her hydration is really important. But her hydration, I should say, is really important. But like getting her to do that... Uh, on top of taking her tablets and mm. eating regular meals um you know that's really hard you know mm. so you have to it, it's a balance and it depends as always with yeah. anything but like just if you're an adult and you're mm. capable of looking after yourself and you are able to turn around and have a look at how the pee looks that's a very reasonable yeah. thing to do as well
0: look at your pee look at your poo yeah uh, basically. that, yeah. Is, that <laughs> is it, and treat it seriously um the uh, speaking of water and just i'll finish on this with the water topic mm. that is um i bought a distillation machine okay and it will distill the water and you look at what's left in mm. the distillation machine and it is like brown gunk it's crazy okay. and it smells so bad so you realize what's coming out mm. in, in tap port, all these heavy metals and then mm. what i do is i add a little bit of sea salt to it okay To a drink i feel phenomenal mm. i mean i think because it takes the salt out as well it takes all the minerals out essentially i'm pretty sure um so um I would I've tried reverse osmosis machines I've tried oh, well, okay. uh, I've tried Brita filters the whole, whole every kind of filtering yeah, system okay. and reverse osmosis i oh, not sorry uh, distillation seems to be the best um, but um have you tried distillation Nope. No, okay. I, well, like, maybe if you're lucky, Santa might bring you one for Christmas. Just shit. we'll have it up. Fingers I think I
1: kicked Santa <laughs> in the backside of he brings me a destination machine for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you uh, what, you, uh, what you said there, though, about I think we got onto the number twos when you were talking about comparison um, in the gym, which no, I just number thought. number twos? You know, the poos. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. But I don't know how we got to there from, from the gym, but I think it was a really valid point you made about comparison. And I think that's just something. That people should be aware of with social media is that like you know the way when you used to be able to just buy magazines or you'd go to the gym let's say and see people and go they look that way or I look this way or whatever and you'd internalize that comparison mm-hmm. but online you can do that almost all the time now mm-hmm. you know if social media if you log in to an app and you're following some influencer let's say you know it, you're always able to compare even if you don't think you're consciously doing it and I think I've listened to kind of uh, different people chat about this on on podcast before. I know you had Joe O'Brien on your podcast before. I'm not sure if you mentioned it. He was on mine chatting about that kind of comparison. Mm -hmm. It's just something that is really, really important to be mindful of um, and does, I think, sometimes make the case for taking breaks from Mm -hmm. your phone or just even from social media, you know, because even without realising it, you might, you know, I've even, I've unfollowed people in the past because I just don't feel great about myself when I log on and see all they've achieved or how they look and I'm maybe... Having a bit of a bad day in terms of how I feel about myself, and I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I don't need to subconsciously compare myself and feel a bit worse. So I'm mm-hmm. just gonna have to. And it's nothing to do with their content at all. It's you know just how I've got to manage my own mental health. Yeah. You know, it's just I thought it was a valid point you made just want to make that. Yeah. No, yeah, point with it, comparison
0: you know? is the killer of joy.
1: It is. thief of joy, absolutely. Thief of joy,
0: yeah. oh, the thief of joy exactly. Mm. Um, I want to ask you. Yeah. About I know I don't smoke. Okay. But I, Good. I used to. I used to smoke. Uh, I, I mean, I've parted a bit in my day. <laughs> uh, but um, and, uh, but cigarettes never really appealed to me. Um, I want to ask because I seen you, you you mentioned it on, on your uh, your Instagram, your blog as well mm. about vaping mm. e-cigarettes. Mm. I see this come up a lot. Yeah. Um, what's the story?
1: So I suppose the first thing to say is that like. With the whole e-cigarette debate, what we're not disputing is how harmful, like, regular tobacco smoking is. And I think it is really important that people remember that that is, you know, it's it's just one of the most um, harmful things that people can do. You know, they're, they're just really awful products that we're basically allowed to be marketed for so long and... There is probably about I think about 17% of the Irish population now currently smoke which is on a downward trend which is brilliant yeah. like it's been going down from kind of about 22% I think a couple of years ago so that's great. So we do want people to stop smoking and I think the debate around e-cigarettes is I suppose one side is you know there's uh, an argument for the fact that a lot of people are using them to um cease tobacco smoking which is great because they're devices that don't contain tobacco, they don't contain the tar. Um, they're essentially electronic devices that heat a liquid into... Um, you know, a, a, a vapour that can be inhaled, a.k.a. vaping. Um, and that's what an e-cigarette is, basically. And there's lots of different types of them. They've gone through different iterations of what they look like. Um, Sometimes Some of them have nicotine, some of them don't. Um, and they have mm. flavourings as well. Like, there's these crazy number of flavours that you can get, like bubblegum and cinnamon and vanilla and all this. Um, and I've never smoked or tried one, I should say that as well. Um, so there's an argument we made that if someone is using one and they're, they are completely off the regular cigarettes that is great and that is an improvement and they're probably less harmful in that context but there's also concerns I guess that they're only on the market since the late 2000s so we don't have late mid 2000s I think so we don't have long-term data this is what 2019 nearly 2020 so we don't have that long-term data that we would like to have to know if you started um using an e-cigarette let's say two years ago in 30 years will that have an effect on your body we just don't know so I guess that's why there's kind of when people say there's controversy around them and um, that's why because we can say that like to an extent they're probably less harmful than regular cigarettes but in the long term we don't know what those effects are and some of the emerging evidence that we have which you know we, we don't have a lot of it um would suggest that they they may have some adverse effects but we don't know like for example in the us there's an ongoing a lot of people might have seen headlines about an ongoing vaping associated lung disease outbreak really? yeah yeah there's been like i think over a thousand cases of this particular um pulmonary disease and a number of deaths as well across several states um mm-hmm. yeah if people have a look at um if they type in um Outbreak of, of vaping related disease. Um, the CDC in the U.S. the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have a really nice summary of it. Um, mm. and they've got web pages for healthcare professionals and non healthcare professionals. But you know, and it seems to be in kind of a particular group of the population who um, used a particular type of let's say e cigarette or e liquid, um, and the compounds in it. Um. I think possibly it might have been kind of a THC type of compound that they were looking at. So it might just be that one Mm. batch or something. We're not sure yet. Um, But I guess that kind of makes the case for the fact that we we just don't know, you know. And there's differences also in regulation in the US and in Ireland and the UK around e-cigarettes. And I think that's why they have to come with a word of caution. And there's also people who shouldn't use them, which obviously would be children, adolescents, anyone who's never smoked at all. Um, mm-hmm. There's no, like people shouldn't just take up vaping. Um, pregnant women, for example, um, they shouldn't be having the, the nicotine. So that's the concern. And another additional concern, the last one I'll mention is, you know, if young people start using them, for example, in the US, um, studies have shown an, an increasing trend of adolescents in high school using vapes, like about 21%, I think, at most recent estimates, which is a lot, you know, for people in their late teenage years who've ne- never smoked before, um, because it's trendy.
0: Um, and they're flavoured as well, which appeals to kids. they
1: exactly. Um, so, and then, but also the concern there is that if you are using a vape, there is um, concern among public health professionals that you're going to end up uh, you may it may be a gateway to traditional smoking Mm. Um, I just realised actually I've never we didn't open this podcast with me telling people my my own personal qualifications to chat but I I I I am obviously a medical doctor (laughs) (laughs) and I work in public health Just in okay. case. I didn't know if you're doing it or not. I
0: do I do it interceptively Oh god, that perfect, invited? that's but fine. I am qualified to talk about this. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but that's that is the concern among public health that I suppose or it's one of them, you know. <laughs> just so people know. That was great. This girl just walked in off the street. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um as you said we don't know the long-term effects it's like yeah. we are drinking alcohol for thousands of years but we don't you know how long we been doing ecstasy for not that we, not that we do ecstasy but how long have we done ecstasy you know how long has it been, been around, yeah. Been around? Yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so we don't know the, the long-term effects of that or any or vaping whatever it is yeah um speaking of long-term effects mm. and kids uh, and adolescents vaccinations oh I said the V word (laughs) you said it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now I um, because yes I mean I would like maybe I'll be a father one day who knows who knows Um, and this is could be uh, something to think about like I I, my whole theory is like if I had kids I I know this sounds nuts but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't bring take them to school I would educate them not I basically I wouldn't do the traditional traditional route okay all right. Now yeah. I haven't thought about this fully. Yeah. So just these are ideas floating around in my yeah. head. But how could I educate uh my child in a way that isn't um typical? Um will mm. even send them to a certain type of school where I forget what the name of these schools are. There's one up in um the libertines. Okay. It's a special type of school, it's a bit like a Montessori, where they just encourage them to think a different way. Interesting, okay. Um and that ties into vaccines as well mm. because so many people so many people now have allergies and i think kids have been kept indoors too much and and essentially been made to be quite weak mm. so i'm wondering um what what is the story with vaccines
1: so vaccines like there's no other way to put this they are one of the greatest inventions of modern medicine ever like honestly after clean water and sanitation they're one of the advances in healthcare that have made the biggest difference to save lives worldwide like on I know they're a they're a controversial topic um and there's a lot of debate around them but really there shouldn't be like I mean they really are one of the greatest advances that we have like th- the thing about it is with vaccination there's this concept now called vaccine hesitancy And I'm not going to dive into that too much, Mm. but it's defined as uh, it's a relatively new idea. But it's so okay. Let me give a bit of context to this. There are, let's say, subgroups of the population who completely accept vaccines. I being one of them, obviously, and I promote them as I should as a doctor. And I would, you know, advocate, let's say, people getting the vaccines in certain stages of life. So childhood vaccinations, we have a childhood vaccination schedule in Ireland. Let's say certain groups population should get the flu vaccine every year. I posted about that recently, the certain vaccines that are recommended during pregnancy that are very safe during pregnancy. Then there's obviously the other end of the spectrum where there's an anti-vaccination movement, um, which is helped in no small part by social media um, and the ability to disseminate information online, much of which is, or a lot of which is false. Um, And then somewhere in the middle, you've got people who are just confused. The same as nutrition. Um, You know, people are confused about what one end is saying and the other. And somewhere in the middle, um, the WHO have recently defined this kind of concept of vaccine hesitancy that there's people who, let's say, uh, delay um, uh, delay the acceptance of or they refuse certain, maybe not all, vaccinations despite them being available, let's say. So, for example, you might know that your local GP will provide all the vaccines that your, your child needs from birth to, let's say, four to five years of age. So we have a schedule um, that sets out different vaccinations, different conditions. Um, but you might be unsure about some of those, you might delay getting them, um, and there's certain, let's say, timeframes they are recommended. And there's three factors that people say contribute, and I think they're useful to kind of explain mm-hmm. why there's a bit of uncertainty um, among people around it. So one is confidence. Um. So whether you feel confident yourself from what you've read or what you've heard, um, maybe that might be anecdotes from friends, might be family members, um, or you might have confidence in your own healthcare provider who says no, they're very safe and you should do it. And then you've got trust in them, and you might do it for that reason. Then there's um. So there's basically it's confidence, complacency, and convenience. Just so I don't forget them. But convenience being how available are they? So, um, is your GP located? 20 miles away if you're in maybe in rural Ireland or are they up the road like my own GP lives like just literally about two minutes drive away you know it's easy to get to Um, and if I was a parent it would be easy to bring my child there Mm -hmm. Um, are they available you know is there a shortage maybe of vaccines and then finally complacency and I think complacency is one of the most important so because of how successful vaccinations have been and largely they have been accepted by the majority Mm -hmm. we've seen a massive decline in vaccine preventable diseases these vpds we call them so things like measles mumps rubella um polio like there's so many examples um, because of how successful vaccinations have been and the issue then being that vaccines become um, almost a victim of their own success because if you don't see the disease how do you know what it's like how do you know how it feels anyone who's had the flu and I haven't had the flu, but anyone who's had the flu will tell you, I do not want that ever again. Like it takes them out of the out of things for a week; they can't get out of bed, massive fever, feel crap, and the next year they will be the first one to get the flu vaccine. You know, so but we, because of how successful, let's say, certain vaccines like the measles vaccine have, has been, the MMR vaccine, we many parents might not have uh, first-hand experience of, let's say their child having measles because they're protected against it. So if you don't know what something um, is like, you're not really going to fear it, are you? And you might Mm -hmm. get complacent, therefore, and think, well, maybe they'll just naturally be able to to beat it. It doesn't mean they should experience that condition in the first place, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So there's always going to be, I suppose, rejection of, of certain aspects of healthcare. Like in nutrition, there's plenty of things we agree on in terms of healthy ways to eat, but there's plenty of people who will reject kind of the evidence-based stuff. There's always going to be factions against mm-hmm. against science. Mm-hmm. Um, but the danger with vaccines is that um, because of, I suppose, the modern world and how information can be disseminated online, um, a simple Google search might convince you to not vaccinate when actually, you know, it, it, that isn't the right thing to do. And I people are entirely very much entitled to make their own decisions about their own health their own health care and their children I don't have children but it's really really important to get information from a trusted credible source like if people have concerns about particular vaccines go to your GP and just have a chat and just say look these are my concerns I've read this what do you think mm-hmm. um, and particularly if it's a health care provider that you trust you know that's a really powerful conversation and you know even having that conversation with health care providers has been shown in the literature to be a powerful determinant of Let's say parents influencing hmm. or sorry vaccinate getting their children vaccinated um, and a lot of the concern stems from the um andrew wakefield scandal from the late 1990s um he published a Case series of studies claiming that there was a link between the MMR vaccine and the development of autism or uh, bowel disease in children. That's where that comes from. Yeah, that's where a lot of the, the fears came from, hmm. and some of that is down to how the media portrayed that. He called a press conference that day, and it was very unusual, and it was published in a very high-profile medical journal, The Lancet. And um, that paper has been retracted. Doctor Wakefield is no longer practicing medicine; he was struck off um, for what he did, um, and there is absolutely no evidence from decades—like not not decades, but from years and years of research since. You know, that was the late nineteen. 19- 1990s. Mm. Um, there's a really good, um, uh, not expose. I don't want to use that word, but there's a really good delineation of the MMR oh, um, controversy. Thank you, uh, by a journalist called Brian Deere and it's freely available in a couple of articles in the British Medical Journal. If people are listening and want to have a read of that, it's a long read, but it is worthwhile. Um, and I think it's just, in for he was one of the journalists who kind of exposed the, the whole scandal um, and mm-hmm. the, the kind of the, the controversy. It's just a really useful thing to, to go have a read of because mm. it's easy to you know a quick google search doesn't always give you the answer that mm. you should have you know yeah. you could google like symptoms of the common cold to be convinced that like you won't make it to the next day you know yeah, you have to be really careful so hopefully that delineates just i think the mm. the the some of the the issues around vaccination i think complacency what does and, delineate mean sorry kind of uh explains <laughs> explains lines thank you because that's my the new issues, word yeah. the day. it's great isn't
0: it <laughs> i'll be like Rach, can you delineate me a cup of coffee yeah. like, what you're completely out of context <laughs> don't know if that's the right context yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> but um, um
1: yeah i think that i really think just the the complacency is the is one of the biggest mm. issues yeah it's something that as a person so i'm specializing in public health and it is really hard to see some of the false information online and it's a hard topic to post about on social media too because invariably um there are a lot of uh, anti-vaccination accounts online and there are some high profile people around the world more so in the us that uh, would oppose vaccination and i'm not saying people aren't entitled to be agents of their own free will they are but they, I don't think they're entitled to put other people's lives at risk by spreading misinformation. That's some, my biggest beef. This is know.
0: my opinion. Some people are mad. <laughs> just to let you know. Yeah.
1: And there's an. Sometimes there's an agenda that you don't know about as well. You know. Yes, that yeah. really isn't the case for me. Like I, I'm not being paid you're to do anything that I put out online.
0: Yeah. yeah you're speaking objectively, where mm. some people something has happened to them, and they're like, "Now nah, this is their, their, um, their campaign, as it were." And, yeah. And you're like, "Where's this coming from?" But um, I want to ask you about. Sleep because mm. you, mentioned, you mentioned Matthew Walker.
1: I did. Have you read his book?
0: I have it on audio tape. yeah, yeah, well, not What yeah. it uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. oh, yeah, <laughs> what, what it like, like, whoa, I have, have one of my smartphone. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, um, I because yesterday I went to teach a workshop and the night before I i couldn't sleep. I that's mm. how it goes sometimes with me if I have a big event and I. I slept maybe three hours Mm. and then I traveled all day across the country to get there. I taught the workshop, but I was, the adrenaline was pumping through me. So I actually, I taught, I felt like I taught a really good workshop. I was full of energy. And then I got home last night and I, you know, Alfie was playing up in the middle of the night and stuff. um, So I slept probably four and a half hours last night. I I did up in total. I feel phenomenal. (laughs) Now, i i probably look about 80 years yeah, old but um, don't. Anyway, anyway. The lighting. um but I, I feel like on top of all i've had a workout this morning i've mm. been running took the dog out haven't even eaten anything all day um is the eight hours thing a myth uh
1: not a myth no oh, it's not damn. a myth no. <laughs>
0: you'll be dead at 40 <laughs> yeah. no, no,
1: no one night will not that will not make um on the totality of the evidence that we have, and I'm no sleep expert, I would put my hand up and say that. Like, it's something I. But well, you have been to sleep before. I have been to sleep before. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah, I mean, therefore, I'm an expert. You know, <laughs> well, I've you know, eaten food, therefore, I'm a doctor. Yes. But yeah, no, I. Uh, so, no, it's not a myth. There, I'm sure, like, somewhere along the way, there is a subset of people that can survive on a very small amount of sleep, but that would be such a minority. Like, the majority of people uh, around the world. From what we know, the evidence, seven to eight hours seems like when adults, I'm speaking right now, seems to be that sweet spot. There's nuances to that, like adolescents, um, because they're growing and they're changing, tend to need to sleep a bit more. Um, older people, as you get older, your sleep pattern changes. Um, particularly when you're very elderly, um, their sleep pattern changes as well.
0: Um, need more sleep or less?
1: Uh, it's more like, I think, well, it depends obviously like whether a person might have sleep issues like sleep disturbances or a primary sleep disorder. Um,
0: but love an old nap.
1: Love an old nap, exactly. Like
0: My old man, he loves a old nap. Yeah, and when it depends angry, like... like we well, wouldn't so much.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it depends really as well like on, let's say, whether they person might have dementia as well sometimes you know there can be a lot they can be a lot more somnolent, a lot more sleepy they might nap during the day or sleep as well at night time um, certain mental health conditions can affect sleep and and the reverse be true um, but most people uh, from a health perspective uh, seem to need about seven to eight hours um, too much or too little like anything seems to be what's the issue but it is it's a really interesting topic I mean I for a long time so as a junior doctor um, I'd say I was managing uh, like I'd like to say seven it was probably somewhere between six and seven just I suppose because the days were so busy it's really hard to switch off I didn't have great sleep hygiene in that I didn't have a bedtime routine mm. um, didn't really have a wind down you know if I was working late I'd come home um, eat dinner go to bed you know and it would mm. be like on the phone phone in my face you know loads of blue light and um, up crack it on the next day to get to next day to get to the gym and I just didn't really It's not. it wasn't a priority I suppose and I was probably too busy to think about making it a priority. And then I read Matthew Walker's book. And as a doctor, like we learn a bit about sleep and like we, we would learn a bit about it. But I think his book, it was such a synthesis of, of evidence. And once you read it, you really kind of think you can think about sleep differently it's a dense book don't oh get me wrong God. it's very dense well
0: if you want a nap listen to that
1: book <laughs> <laughs> i Ironically. actually yeah i read it i didn't do the audible but someone i know who listened to it an audible said his, his voice is also very nice to listen to but it could put you to sleep mm. definitely oh it's a yeah. very peaceful voice very um, peaceful that's a nice way of saying
0: it. it's very peaceful it's, it's very like, peaceful it's like yeah. eckhart tolle uh, tolle, or tolle i don't know eckhart tolle yeah People say his voice is peaceful i would say it's boring but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, but um but
1: yeah it is it's really mm. important and i think it's something actually i put on my instagram last week just asking people like do you have kind of a bedtime routine or is there stuff you do to wind down mm. and it was kind of two-thirds no one-third yes
0: one-third yes saying they have a routine have a
1: routine two-thirds saying they didn't mm. um now our phones don't help like they're they're i can't say they're addicted but they're very hard to put away um at, particularly at night time you know mm. we all end up flicking um but trying not to do that and trying to have like even in the 60 to 90 minutes before bed trying to have a few things that you do that just bring you from kind of like the busyness of the day and kind of a stimulated state to just being a little bit more relaxed can Mm. help at least it's definitely improved my sleep it's something I've truly tried to do since um I moved from Dublin to Galway in July started a new job moved out and a lot was going on at once um and one of the changes I tried to keep constant was a bedtime routine Mm. and it is helping reading also really good so what, well. w-
0: what would be like top five things for bed, about th- uh, sleep hygiene? Putting
1: you away say? your phone is probably the number one. Um, now I do have my phone in my room because it is my alarm clock and some people say, oh, get an alarm clock. And I should probably get an old fashioned alarm clock, but I actually really like using my phone. So um, I have my phone in my room, but I wouldn't, I try not to look at it at least in the half an hour before bed. Um Some people find putting on um, like Calm or Headspace, some of the, you know, the Mm -hmm. the kind of meditation apps or mindfulness apps. Um, Like I'd use Calm and Play just 10 minutes just to try and, you know, I suppose, bring my brain from what I've been thinking about during the day into sort of a more of a sleep mode. Reading, I find really helpful. It depends if you like reading or not. Um, But it's been great trying to, like, let's say read a few pages of a book every night. Um, What are the other ones? Low lighting and having Mm -hmm. a cool room.
0: Yeah, cool room is a big one.
1: Big one. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: and do you know why? Actually, not know why. Sorry, do you, If you have a hot bath at mm. nighttime, it's not the hot, the heat that, uh, mm. that gets you sleepy. It's when your body cools down.
1: Exactly. That's yeah. what gets you sleepy. That's it. Yeah. So that's I really helpful. It. Having a darkened room, obviously. Yeah. Um
0: Blackout blinds, if you can.
1: Blackout blinds, if I you can. It. Yeah, I know. They're the ideal. Um, and then I suppose it, other things like trying not to do like really intense exercise right before bed. Yeah. Um, and tr- maybe trying not to like be eating right before bed mm-hmm. um, within reason. Obviously, if, if you're home late and, and, you know, that's only when you can eat, obviously eat, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but trying to probably not have massive meals right before bedtime. Just so like you're not trying to like digesting and feel a bit uncomfortable if you're trying to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. They be kind of the, the big things. Um, there's lots of chat about different herbs and things like that, but I don't really get into that. I think that the practical things are what most people are um, could mm-hmm. probably benefit from doing first.
0: Habits. Habits. Uh, cu- cultivating habits cultivating that you can... Habits. Uh, you can maintain that are but, reali- yeah. realistic as well. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's it. Because some it's very popular for people to to do these little videos about what their morning or evening routine is. But mm. if there are things that you can't do when you're on holiday and stuff, you just not. If you don't exactly. keep it up, you think, "Oh, I missed one day. I'll miss a whole week," and then it just uh, it spirals out of control. Yeah, and it does. Speaking of habits, mm. this podcast episode is going to be out in the new year, okay. twenty twenty. Uh, there's
1: like what 10 days left yeah. it's crazy like, oh my god uh,
0: yeah we're recording so what's the date today 15th uh yeah Stick 15th in, yeah. yeah so it's yeah. 15th of december today this is going to be out in in um in the new year so happy new year everyone happy new year <laughs> welcome to yeah. new decade it's a great well. old christmas wasn't it <laughs> eh? what about that new year <laughs> new year's Eve, eh? okay. um so um what would you say is good advice for new years like, not necessarily resolutions mm. but um
1: Um, I used to have this thing about New Year's resolutions where I just wouldn't set them because the whole concept, it was like you were trying to fix parts of your life. It was more of a personal thing, to be honest. And then last year I thought, no, if you make them realistic and you make them something that are feasible within your life and something you genuinely want to change and you have a reason and a why for doing it, Hmm. um, then I think they're very reasonable. Like starting a podcast for me was a New Year's resolution because It scared me and I knew I could do it. I was just being really, I suppose, self-critical about it and trying to have it absolutely perfect, you know, before. And once I was bit more realistic about why I wanted to do it and what it would bring uh, me and my listeners, um, it became a lot easier to make that decision and just go for it. So I think people talk about like goal setting a lot and this kind of this SMART acronym, um, which is, oh my God, I'll have to remember this name, but like the Specific Measurable realistic and time bound exactly Boom. yeah so if you're going to you know i suppose don't be my my tip one of my tips would be not to be general about something you know i want to eat healthier which is a lot of people's or a lot of people join the gym in january and then the membership sits there for the year um and i think being really specific about what that change is like eating healthier could simply mean eating five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, bringing it up to seven. And I know people will probably roll their eyes and go, that's so basic. But if someone isn't doing that and then they start doing that, that's massive. Like mm. they'll see huge benefits from that and they'll be small, but they'll be over time. Um, you know, and let's say with exercise, if you, you know, if you think, try and I suppose reflect on what kind you enjoy, because that is actually what you're going to want to go back to, you know, like I, I'm trying to think of a personal example, but like for a long time, I didn't do yoga. And I now kind of do a mix of yoga, strength training and walking. And I absolutely love all three of those. And I will miss them if I don't do them. I used to run quite a lot. I don't run as much anymore, um, Cut. well not for any particular reason I had an injury which I gave it up for a while and then I should probably start again but I haven't felt a want to so I haven't yeah. and I'm not forcing myself so if you don't enjoy the gym environment for example there's plenty you could do at home and um, in the comfort of your own home there's loads of YouTube videos now you know as long as you're being safe about it so just try and figure out what it is that you enjoy yeah. um, and having a strong why for any new year's resolution I think is, is a good one as well
0: I think on that that was brilliant
1: they weren't very specific tips. Though. No, it was good though.
0: It was good. Doesn't need no. There was no. I mean, because everyone is different, aren't they? In that respect, and we yeah. do have different needs. Whoever's listening to this, you do not need to improve. There's no mm. forget about self improvement. You're enough already. You're enough already.
1: Yeah.
0: This and this actually happens in the yoga world, and um, this is taken from Mark Whitwell. But practicing all this coming. This thing of you, you, you know, the, the future. Your happiness is depending upon a future that may or may not come um yeah forget about all that do stuff you enjoy so as you said in mm. the new year do you like dancing yeah go start a salsa class because sometimes you'll see like people who are jogging mm. i don't jog i do sprints like mm. so today i did sprints in the park up and down the football field but i see sometimes people say for, just for example no disrespect to joggers but to uh, yogas they're um you see them like they're whacking their heels against the floor and they're, they're, they're grimace on their face mm. and they're like, and it's like are are you why are you doing this i maybe they are enjoying it because sometimes i have like resting arsehole face when i'm (laughs) when i'm in yoga and i'm actually loving it but i'm just like you know got this stink face on and but don't don't, get out the mind frame of punishing yourself exactly what what i found has been so beneficial is making social contracts say Mm. i go kira yeah february uh, um um january 1st yeah i'm not going to drink another drop For example yeah yeah yeah, and i actually got a notification on my phone you know the way um instagram will say like this time three years ago this is what happened yeah three years ago um i stopped drinking Mm. alcohol okay and i said i had my calendar up on my wall and i said from this date i'm not going to drink alcohol Mm. and i said that to all my family as well i don't drink alcohol anymore not i'm not drinking i don't drink yeah big difference yeah huge difference because if you say i'm i'm not drinking oh go on why not i say i don't drink but oh okay yeah. This, something's happened yeah. mm. and I don't want to you know um, kind of upset him or ask any more so that doesn't mean I haven't drank since yeah. but I'd say I've been drunk twice in the last three three years yeah maybe mm. Um, and I never would never go into a shop now and like look at beer and that as an option mm. take a mm. beer or, or having food I never have a drink with food I just don't do it anymore yeah. because I made a social contract I let people know about it so you can do that I think works quite well social accountability yeah but also, the, I, I believe there was um, Googlers, as some people that work for Google, and they had a thing where they—this is uh, um, where they basically said, like, "Okay, we're going to do like I don't know, a running or something." Mm. And whoever doesn't do it has to give the other person a, a, a euro. And it was—it was nothing. And it was, yeah, it was, okay. it was, <laughs> you know, it was that kind of thing. Yeah, or, yeah. or what was it? It was something like, "Oh shit, I'm messing this up now." But it was a case of. Um, If you didn't do it, you had to give money to... It was basically, there was a financial incentive there, but it was nothing. It was like a euro. But it's more so the accountability to each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would say, don't say, um, I may do this, I may do that. Make it public. Maybe put it on Instagram or Mm. Facebook and let people know from this date, this is what's going to happen. And although you may be that annoying person, maybe track your progress and go, 30 days sober. And it doesn't feel anything like it It could be like, I ate my greens today. Yeah, whatever it, whatever yeah, it was. exactly.
1: And, like, the other thing I'd say as well is sometimes, I've been thinking about this myself a lot recently, but, like, sometimes the healthier, the healthy thing to do might be to break a bad habit as opposed to think constantly about setting new ones. Nice. Does that make sense? Mm. You know, as in, and it might even be to try and change a pattern of thinking. You know, like like you say about that kind of punishment mindset or, you know, like starting a diet in January, which so many people do, and thinking about it that way sometimes just isn't that helpful, you know? And sometimes it might just be breaking a bad habit, like and that might be, let's say, I'm not saying give up drinking, but it might be to moderate alcohol intake. It might be to quit smoking. Um, so giving up something that isn't serving you, mm. um, which doesn't have to be something as defined as smoking or alcohol intake, but it might just be a way of thinking about yourself. And as you said, like, you know, you don't like people are listening. You're You're already enough. But if there's things that you want to do that you think might enrich your life and enhance your life and just might make you feel a bit better that's totally reasonable. Um, mm. But just try and be a bit specific about it and don't be afraid to, to break a bad habit instead of constantly focusing on new ones, you mm. know?
0: Yeah, that's a, that is a brilliant tip. And, and, and also you feel differently about yourself as well. Like mm. say the cold bath thing in the morning, I heard this from Tony Robbins, how we have two voices in our head, can do it, can't do it. And essentially you're trying to become, not trying, I mean, you are enough already, but be someone you're proud of. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, yeah 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 you, you, you don't need to improve yourself at all mm. all right there's nothing you are great as you are but um think you're great yourself and yeah. and, and and but i love that tip about um giving something up uh, and um it Not, might even no.
1: be like if you said yes. last year, let's say, I didn't see some of my friends enough.
0: That's a great one.
1: You know, then sit there and go, okay, well, how am I going to implement that into my life? How am I going to see people more regularly? Like, I have moved, like I say, to Galway. Mm-hmm. Um, I've moved out, so I was living with a family. Like we're a family of six. So, busy house, constant noise, really, really close. And I've gone from that to living with three new people who were all strangers to me. who were all lovely people, and I love living with them. But I left my social network in Dublin, and my social network... Uh, isn't, it, it's not that it's non-existent in Galway, I'm not I'm not a, on my own all the time, but I'm a lot more on my own than I previously was. And I am a bit of an introvert, so I, I'm very happy in my own company, but I have to force myself to go, no, you need to think about ways to get yourself back out in the world and to find new social contracts and new social networks. Mm-hmm. So like I joined a yoga class to meet new people, like so it's every Tuesday, for example, but this year for 2020, I want to just expand that more like try and find a book club try and find a hiking club mm-hmm. and just force myself to do it yeah, because the easy thing to do is to be like oh well I've got all these books that I want to read or I need to do the stuff for my blog but like that stuff's not urgent and sometimes living your life a bit more is urgent and mm-hmm. you know you're like it sounds so silly that you're not young forever but like I don't want to look back when I'm 80 or 90 and go you know Oh, my 20s, like, you know, I didn't bother. I didn't try and make new friends. I was only in Galway for two years, but, like, two years is a long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to feel uncomfortable, like, getting out there, meeting new people, but you know, breaking a habit of spending more time on my own is something that I really need to do, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm saying that, that's me making social contract now, by the way. So yeah. I'm telling you this, I'm telling all your listeners that I need to go make friends. I have and, loads and of friends. Viewers. but And viewers, oh God. <laughs> I don't I have plenty of friends, but it is, and I make sure to k- try and catch up with them as much as possible when I'm in Dublin. But um, it's something I need to be just mm. a bit more, out there about in Galway, you know, trying to mm-hmm. find your friends. It is hard, like in your late 20s, is a time when loads of friendships change and you oh, move yeah. different places and new people all the time. Um, but it's something that I need to do. So that's just one of mine, yeah, personally. You know, yeah, I, I
0: think the fr- that's a big one because we're so more, much more isolated these days. I'm going to a stag in March. Mm. My, my one of my good mates is getting married, and um, again, a lot of drinking. I'm probably going to have a drink there, yeah, but um. I was like, could I, I could do that or I could stay in Dublin and like do a podcast, do a workshop, whatever. And I thought, no, I got I have to you can't be filling up just one cup in your life. You've got to fill yeah. up a f- few cups. And these are lads that I've known all my life mm. growing going up with them and um I you know, they're I've been honoured to be invited to the stag and the wedding. So I it, it's I should go. I mean and I want to go. Yeah. But I'm just saying you sometimes you get in the habit of like oh, this is great. I'm like, I'm actually doing a job I really love yeah. and I'm in demand. Um, and so I want to keep this going. Mm. Um, I don't want to fall behind. Yeah. But then what falls behind is your personal life. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah. Yeah. especially like, as you get older, it's important to remember the people that you, you grew up with and, and essentially shaped who you are now.
1: Absolutely. And I think sometimes we can't, you literally can't put a price on that feeling you get when you spend time with people you love and you know you walk away with such a smile on your face like some of the hardest things some of the hardest uh, times for me is like driving back to go now after a weekend at home because i'll have laughed i'll have spent time with people i'll have heard how their lives are you know and just simple things you know like even like catching up with the family this morning before i drove over here and like something my brother said just made me honestly like laugh my heart out and i was like you can't you can't put a price on that no, you absolutely. really can't and yeah like it's really important to get your work done like. That has to happen Mm -hmm. and for I suppose multi-hyphen methods like ourselves when you do things on the side as well as what you do day to day it's very easy to be like oh well I need to spend that hour doing up those posts for this week and I know I'm really bad for that so I have to make a conscious effort to be like no like that will that'll be there and if you Mm -hmm. don't post tomorrow. That's fine. You know, you can post the next day. Yeah, it's almost like you know, uh, when you work. for Like yourself. put real life first. You know. Yeah,
0: exactly. And when you when you're kind of working, do a lot of work yourself, and have many uh, things. What did you say? Multi.
1: Multi hyphen. Uh, multi hyphen
0: method. There's um.
1: Multi hyphen method. There's an author. Is she an author and journalist called Emma Cannon. Emma Gan. Emma Cannon or Emma Cannon. I'm yeah. gonna be in trouble with this note, but she anyway. She's in the UK and she wrote this book called The Multi Hyphen Method. Um, my friend Vicky recommended to me, but she has a podcast as well. I just can't remember if it's canon or Gannon. but um. That phrase, you know, the, the fact that you're not just doing one thing. Like, I'm a doctor, but I'm also, I suppose, a blogger, mm-hmm. a podcaster. You are. Um, do you mean you're you No, are. I know, but you know what I, like, that sort Come of. Come on now. <laughs> it's the road less traveled, but it does mean that you're, you have more, like, what I call it, kind of like, do you know when you've, you're on the internet, on Google Chrome or whatever, and you've got all these tabs open, and you're like, you know you've got about 20, and you're like, I need to close some of these. But you keep opening new ones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like all the hyphens that I have to my name, I need to kind of, Uh. you know, just remember like there's three or four and that's what I can achieve. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, multi-hyphen method basically, that Mm -hmm. your life is kind of doctor slash podcaster slash health writer mm. slash educator i don't know you could make them up
0: and you're, you're blessed and i am too with uh a lot of go to us like you know, yeah. get, get starting things getting it done yeah. like a lot of people say i want to start a podcast and they don't but so we're lucky in that way but the, the downside although obviously i mean i know i have my doubts all the time mm. but you just same <laughs> yeah the, again the whole can can't thing you just got to squash that monster that says you can't do things all the time yeah um and dogs barking and um not that monster no <laughs> and 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 essentially but then at the same time you got to know when to switch off yeah. when it's 9:30 and you're not giving your spouse or your family attention you're on your phone because mm. you think I can still work you got to know when to yeah. be your own boss in that respect um Kira that was amazing uh, Thank you for to having to, me. to to sum it up watch your pee watch yeah. your poo <laughs> <laughs> eat your
1: fiber, eat your greens,
0: <laughs> and you are enough.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and also sorry, I should caveat if there's dietitians or nutritionists or nutritional therapists listening, we and I haven't delineated that. <laughs> no, I haven't delineated the difference very oh, that well. Word again, more than happy to hear a comment or you know that kind of way. Yeah, yeah, uh, pop that in there. Hopefully, I have uh, not insulted anyone by explaining that. Thank you for having me. That's yeah, a no, pleasure. Thank you, really Kira
0: As I sign off, I realize I forgot to ask the questions that you guys sent in. I'm so sorry. I got a bit carried away but we did address the vaccines which is one question and there was other questions about really great questions about fad diets and about e-cigarettes but we we did cover that but fear not I'm going to bring Kira on again because there's loads more to cover in her areas of expertise if you found it useful if you enjoyed it please share it with a friend maybe leave a review on iTunes because when you do that it makes it more visible and uh Yeah, that's really helpful for me, and I'd really appreciate it. If you would um, like to come to a retreat or in my next event, the next one is in Ardnahu in Leitrim. It's a weekend retreat of yoga, massage therapies, and hot tubs, saunas, all that good stuff. Feel free to get in touch with me if you have any questions. I hope you have a really great week, and I'll chat to you next week.